welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the Give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa, and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Hey, Kingdom Culture family, good morning, happy Sunday. So great to see you here online. We are in week four of our peace series when everything around us feels like chaos. I hope you've been enjoying this series so far. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the last three messages. I just believe they've been really uh, important as we are in this season and all the things that are going on around us, both locally, uh, provincially, in Canada, in the world at large, wherever you're watching from, I mean, there is just chaos happening all around us. We need peace. There was ever a time to learn to dive into or manifest peace in and through our own lives, it's now. And so I really encourage you to go back and listen to the last three messages. I want to Open up with 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. Although this is not the focus for today and this is not sort of um, the baseline of what we're talking about today, I do want to start with this. I want to read this verse to you in 1 Peter 5, verse 10. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who imparts his blessing and favor, who called you to his own eternal glory in Christ, will himself complete, confirm, strengthen, and establish you, in other words, making you what you ought to be. That's out of the Amplified Version. That first part of that verse, though, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace. Suffering is such a a deep and important discussion topic, and I think a lot of us shy away from that word, suffering. We don't want to suffer. We don't like suffering. Let me just break down this word for suffered in this context. It means to feel heavy emotion. How many of us feel heavy emotion? Or how many of us have felt in the last season heavy emotion? It could mean the feeling of the mind, emotion, passion relates to any part of us that feels strong emotion, passion, or suffering, especially the capacity to feel suffering. And um, I just think that suffering is both good and is both bad. There is good suffering, and then there is bad suffering. Now, most people think, well, all suffering is bad. Yes, all suffering feels bad. All suffering, uh, no one wants to suffer, but there is suffering that's actually good for us because it's part of our life. It's part of you know what we do and stand for when it comes to our faith in Jesus. There's going to be a level of suffering that you cannot ignore, and then there is the unnecessary suffering. There's the suffering that you know we have to pray to get through. And I'm going to break this down a little bit because you think in your mind right now, well, we pray to get through all suffering, not necessarily. Something that I've noticed: there is suffering that we are promised. And then there is suffering that we are promised to break out from. So I'm going to get into this a little more. But for example, the suffering that we are promised to break out from, for example, is you may feel like you're sick in your suffering. 
I believe, based upon the truth of who Jesus is and the message he came to bring, the gospel of the kingdom, Jesus was crucified and resurrected, not just for our sin, but for our sickness. Therefore, therefore, when you are suffering in sickness, it is God's will, it is God's plan, it is God's design to bring you through that suffering, to heal you of your sickness. Okay, so there is suffering that we are promised that's going to happen to us that we can't always escape. And there is suffering that we are promised to break out from, as I just mentioned. And then, of course, there's unnecessary suffering that we've just done a bunch of stuff that was really dumb. Uh, we didn't need to do it or we, maybe we did do something that we shouldn't have done. And as a result, we're suffering the consequences of that. I'm not necessarily talking about that. Although I've, you know, I heard this quote recently, sometimes the reason that you're suffering is because you won't let go of the thing that's biting you. I mean, there's common sense. There's some suffering that happens in life because we're just not paying attention. We're just not doing the thing we need to be doing or should be doing. And therefore we're running around with a snake latched onto our body the entire time when really we can just deal with it. So some of it is by choice. There are, although though, although like I've said in the beginning, there are seasons of life that we simply can't just escape. And that's the kind of suffering that we are promised. I remember 18 years ago, 18 years ago, I had a vision. I had a vision that really impacted my life and I had this, this open vision. I was in a meeting, actually I was in Stratford, Ontario. And I had this open vision and I saw three giant rings and I knew they were promises from God. And while I was in this open vision, God spoke to me and he said, Sean, these are three promises that I have promised the church. I have promised the body of Christ. The first two promises, the church doesn't have a hard time believing, believing for. But the third promise, my church has a really hard time with and doesn't like and shies away from. And he began to tell me the first two pro the first two promises was that I've made a promise, because a ring represents promise, of course, hopefully you've got that by now. But the ring, the first ring represented the promise of provision. And I felt like in this, in this encounter that I was having with God, God was showing me that the church has an easy time believing that God is the provider. I can believe that God has a promise to provide for my needs. And then the second ring was the promise of blessing. It's easy for the church to believe that, you know, God wants to prosper us, wants to prosper our soul. It's easy to believe that God wants to bless me. I have been blessed and we see it all through scripture. I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, Ephesians chapter one. It's easy for the church to believe in both the provision and the prospering or the blessing that's promised to us in our lives. But the third ring, he said to me, he said, Sean, the church has a hard time with and it's the promise of persecution. It's the promise of persecution. And that kind of persecution feels like a suffering that not you're not gonna necessarily escape from all the time. And so let me read Matthew chapter five, verse 10. He says this in the Beatitudes, I mentioned one of them last week, blessed are the peacemakers, but Matthew five, verse 10, as part of the Beatitudes, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Although the word blessed is joyful. Joyful, joyful, made joyful are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said in John 15 verse 18, remember, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. This is the type of suffering that I'm talking about that it's not so easy to escape from. 
that's going to come at you if you are a believer in Jesus and if you are standing for something, if you are standing for righteousness, if you are in relationship with God and you truly are letting your faith in God overflow into every area of your life, there will be a measure of suffering that you will not be able to just pray yourself out of. And this is what we're talking about. It's the type of suffering we simply cannot escape because we're standing for something. And sometimes that suffering can feel like a prison. I want to talk today for a few moments about what it looks like to have peace in the prison. Peace in the prison by having a proper perspective. Now, so many, you're going to see the names on the screen, so many in scripture had prison moments. You're seeing all of them there. People like Joseph, Samson, Jeremiah, Micaiah, Zedekiah, Daniel, to name a few. I mean, even Jesus was held in custody between his arrest and execution and then in death. He was in a prison of sorts. And so how does it, how does it look to have peace when you feel like you're in a prison? Maybe it's a metaphoric prison. Maybe it's not actual prison. I mean, I'm going to dive into some stories today of actual prison, but so many of us feel imprisoned at times and in seasons in our suffering because we've stood for something or because um, we've just done what God's called us to do. And we're getting, we're feeling this way because of, of us moving forward and pioneering forward in faith in the very thing that God has called us to do. There's pushback. Maybe you feel like you're imprisoned in some sort of suffering because you've made commitments and you've made decisions that you knew were the right decisions, but now there's like trials and there's tests that you did not expect. Well, these things are a part of what it means to understand commitment. You've made these decisions, you've made these commitments, you've committed in that relationship, you've committed in that career, you've committed in that job, you've stepped out, launched that new thing, and now you're getting tested. Now you're getting, you know, you're feeling the fire. That is a part of the journey. You can't just escape the fire all the time. I think a lot of us have this, this, uh, this mentality because of who Jesus is, that he's just going to pull us out of every hard situation. That's unfortunately not the gospel. The, the gospel is that God is going to be with you in every hard situation. The, the promise of God being with you is, going, is, is to give you the confidence and the security that while you're in it, you're going to get through it. Paul said it like this, in my weakness, I am made strong. In my times of weary, weak, fearful uh, intimidation, I am made strong. When I feel the weakest, that's when God is the strongest. When I'm in the fire, that's when I'm, that's where, that's where I meet God the most. And so there are moments that we just cannot simply escape from. So we're talking about peace in the prison today. How? And I said it in my subtitle, by having a proper perspective of what it is we are living in order to manifest peace. Like the lesson we learned in Mark 4, with the disciples in the storm just two weeks ago. And I'm not talking about reasonable or logical perspectives here, but a spirit-led perspective because of what God said and what he's promised. Remember, in the storm, God said, let us cross over to the other side. Let us cross over to the other side. They had a promise that they were going to make it through. So in the middle, when there was a little bit of suffering, a little bit of fear, they could be assured that in the suffering, in the fear, Jesus was with them in their boat. 
but they had to journey that storm. There are storms that you just have to journey. It's a part of the process. Now, I'm not saying every storm. Like I said, there are unnecessary ones. And then there are storms in our life that God has promised to get us through, get us through quickly. Some are quicker than others. Some are longer than others. I mean, how many of our prayers that we've prayed in the last season maybe have been prayers without proper perspective? And the reason we've not manifested peace in those seasons while we are praying is because we've been praying the wrong prayers. We've been not perceiving what type of a season is this. I mean, think about all the stuff that's happened in the last years with COVID-19. And that's like a swear word now. No one wants to hear that term. Of course, it's a it's a bad word. Uh, no one wants to hear it. It brings all kinds of, you know, bad memories and things up. And it's still present with us right now. But what, what kind of prayer is better? God, take COVID away? Or God, while it's here, how can I pivot? Now, you may say, well, if you don't pray, take COVID away, you don't have faith. But does it take more faith to pray COVID away or take more faith to occupy territory and advance and pioneer while you feel like all kinds of external situations around you are making it harder for you to move forward? What, what, what takes more faith? I'll let you answer that question. I know for me, I didn't spend a lot of time. I spent time, but I didn't spend a lot of time praying that COVID would leave. But I did spend a lot of time for two years praying how I could pivot continually, how I could maximize the season, how I could readjust my life and realign my life to maximize the season. So sometimes, see, when you have prayer with proper perspective, you will able to be able to find gold in dark seasons, treasures hidden in darkness. If all you do is try to pray against the external situations that are pushing against you, often you will sacrifice the internal transformation that God wants to do within you. And this is why it's so important to have a proper perspective. And I've thought a lot about this in the last season, a lot about this. How many times we've spent days praying for things that just aren't the prayers that we need to be praying. There are times when we pray for God to move us through. Listen to this. There are times when we pray for God to move us through. And then there are times we pray for God to move in so we can manage it. One is God, help us get through this. Move us through this. Like God, heal me of my sickness. And then there are times when it's like, okay, I'm in this. Maybe I can't pray, God, just move me in the, out of this because this is happening. So God, help me manage it. Move in to help me manage it. There's a difference of perspective there. And that perspective will affect how you pray. Remember, some seasons, some seasons, you are not supposed to escape, but dominate. Write that down. There are some seasons you are not supposed to escape, but dominate. Others, if you don't escape, other seasons, if you don't escape, you will end up being the one dominated. So once again, it's about praying with proper perspective, having a perspective and letting that shape how you pray, how you position yourself. If you want peace, you need perspective in every situation. Is this a season where I'm supposed to dominate or is this a season where if I don't get through this and I don't pray through this, I'm going to be the one dominated. We have to have a perspective of which is which. Over the last 20 years, I definitely have had my fair share of hate um, and, and you know, pushback. Some of it's been hard. Uh, some of it's been easy to brush off. 
you know, from death threats to creepers, people chasing me. I mean, these moments, you can pray against them all you want, but the, re the reality of it is they're probably going to happen and they probably need to happen at some level. And it's really hard to understand why they need to happen until you're through it and you realize what God has done in and through your life. And oftentimes the most painful seasons that I've been through, I would never trade them because of the transformation. It's like, it's like Joseph, and we're gonna get into him in a little bit. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers, and he went through this whole process of up and down. He had a dream from God, he had a purpose from God, and he was thrown into a pit. His favorite jacket was ripped off, his father thought he was dead, his, kid, his brothers abandoned him, and he was sold into slavery, and then he you know, was promoted, amazing things, went, then he was falsely accused, went into prison, then he was promoted again, and in the end, when it came time for him to reconcile with his brothers, he basically thanked them for all that they did because their betrayal of him set him up to fulfill the purpose and calling of God over his life. This is why we can, I mean, Judas was part of the destiny of Jesus. I know it's hard to understand, but without Judas betraying Jesus, Jesus wouldn't have gone to the cross. It was all part of the process. Of course, he went to the cross for us. And of course, it would have happened no matter what, another way, okay? But it was a part of the story. And you could say, look at all the people around you that may have hurt you, wronged you, hated on you. You can thank them because they're a part of your story. But it's up to you to not let yourself get bitter and let yourself continue to get better. Okay, this is very important that we understand that. But there are all, I say all that to say is that there are some things you will just not escape. They'll keep coming at you and it's a part of making you a better version of yourself. There will be situations, circumstances, and people at times that may try to lock you up in a prison of fear, intimidation, and so many other things. To lock you up, to lock you down so that you don't continue to move forward to muzzle you, to stop you from leading the way that you're called to lead. You can pray against it, or you could keep your eyes on the one who is freedom personified. Because remember, spiritual freedom in the spirit, spirit in the, the freedom in the spirit has nothing to do with your external situation, but everything to do with your internal situation, your internal understanding, your internal reality, your internal climate. You can so focus on the climate around you and forget that that has no direct impact on the climate within you. In fact, it's the other way around. If you want to affect the climate around you, spiritually speaking, you got to deal with the climate on the inside, which is why we are continuing to dive into what it looks like to be people of peace. Now, um, let's look at Paul the Apostle for a second. I think He's a great example. We're going to out, outline some examples for us today, for this, for this morning. But the prison letters, the prison letters, which usually refer to Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, okay, four. Of course, also 2 Timothy was written from a dark Roman prison cell, which in, in you know, right before he was beheaded in AD 67, uh, Paul, Paul the Apostle. Uh, but the four main prison letters as we know, are Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Now, these are all addressed to a specific church, or in the case of Philemon, an individual. And they're all to encourage first century Christians, okay? The purpose of all these letters are to encourage first century Christians. In many of the letters, he's, a, he's, he's correcting and he's realigning people to the truth. There's false teaching, he's addressing false teaching. 
all kinds of different things, but it's very important that we understand that those four main books, plus Second Timothy, were written from prison. When we understand that, man, we see it differently. This is how Paul managed suffering. How did he manage suffering? And uh, we're going to dive into this in a second, but this to give you a little bit of history, Paul's writings were written over a span of probably 15 years, 15 years, okay? And um, a lot a lot of the letters were written in the two years he was written, actually, or written, uh, you can read this in Acts 28, the, a lot of the, the, the letters were written in the two years he was imprisoned in Rome. And so it's very important that when we dive into these books, and read them, we're not going to go through all these books, of course, today, that we understand the the value of what he's saying feels more powerful and potent when we understand where he's writing the letters from. But the crazy thing about all this, the crazy thing about all these letters is that we don't really see Paul ever praying aggressively to get out of prison to get out of these situations. We just see him, and this is my first point, encouraging the church. Now, before we go into that though, I wanna read Philemon 1.22. Philemon 1.22. One more thing, please prepare a guest, a guest room for me. For I'm hoping, hoping, okay? This was the closest thing to his prayer. I'm hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you soon. I'm hoping God will answer your prayers because I'm not really praying because I'm so busy encouraging the churches. I'm so busy. I've pivoted this moment. I'm so busy encouraging others while I'm in this space. And like logically, I should be the one being encouraged. And he, you know what? Paul was actually encouraged. Paul thanked the Philippian believers for bringing them bringing him financial aid because there was an ability for him to receive financial aid and gift packages and care packages while he was in prison. I mean, he had people bringing him of course like, you know, uh stuff to write on so he could send these letters. I mean, he decided that while he was in this quarantined prison cell that he wasn't just going to spend all of his time warring in the spirit to get out because all these things, all the reasons why he was in the prison cell was because of injustice. Of course, it was for his religion, but it was literally spiritual injustice. And he's in this place. He's in this place. And I would, I would actually say this. I'd say, I wonder if our ability to respond to injustice in our life is a direct determining factor. Or let me rephrase it like this. The way we respond to injustice in our life, especially spiritual injustice, the way we respond to spiritual injustice in our life has a direct impact on the type of impact that we are going to have to the people around us. It's, I, wonder, I wonder how much of his witness would be thwarted if he had responded differently. But Paul, here he is this great apostle who once killed Christians, who in Acts chapter 9 had an encounter with Jesus, changed his life, changed who he was. Now he's in prison, in quarantine, and he's encouraging the church. And he's not really even praying about getting out of prison. Other people are praying, but he's not. And so I want to start with Paul. We're going to dive into Paul, Joseph, and Daniel and see how they managed their prison moments and how they manifested peace in the prison. Paul encouraged the church. Number one, write that down. Paul encouraged the church. Here he is, a man who sits in prison because of corrupt officials waiting possible execution over false charges. He tells us in Philippians chapter 4, 
how to find contentment. Like, like here he is, like he shouldn't be content. He should not be in peace. He's in literal, he's in literal chains or he's on house arrest. I mean, this is the scenario. He's either gonna be in chains in a prison cell or he's gonna be on some form of house arrest. It's gonna be, it might be dark, it might be damp, it's not comfortable. And yet here he is saying this in verse six of chapter four of Philippians, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which is so powerful, and I read part of this last week, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I mean, think about this. He's, he's declaring over himself, my understanding is that I shouldn't be here. My understanding, I shouldn't be in this prison. This is injustice. Like, I'm doing God's work. Why am I here? But he had a proper perspective because this was a part of, I mean, Jesus promised it. Before Jesus died, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. So here Paul is literally, he's thinking in his mind, I am living the Matthew 5.10 beatitude right now. I am living, I am finding joy. I am finding blessing because I've been persecuted for righteousness sake, for the gospel. I am imprisoned here, and so I'm going to find blessing, I'm going to find joy, I'm going to find peace, and I'm gonna pivot, and I'm gonna spend time encouraging the church. It says, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, and I love this, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Probably, he's prophesying to himself. He's like, because I don't have a lot to meditate on right now. I haven't had, you know, uh, you know, mom's cooking in, you know, two years. I haven't had, you know, a Big Mac or that's a bad example. I haven't had a cup of coffee. I haven't had something that I've enjoyed for a very long time. And here I am encouraging you to, it, to focus on the good things. I don't have a lot of good things going for me. But the thing is, once again, it's not about the outside. It's about the inside. He found internal peace and that was enough for him. That was enough. And he could meditate on that, that alone. Number nine, verse nine, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Talking about financial aid. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Whether I'm in prison, whether I have a lot, or whether I, have, whether I have nothing. I have found what it looks like to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to be abound, uh, to abound everything, everywhere, and in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Now listen to this, the last verse, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You've seen this verse tattooed on MMA fighters' bodies, on, on wrestlers, on all kinds of people. They need that verse, okay? They need that verse when they're up against uh, the fight of their life. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Literally meaning one who gets into the fray. Something that has intense, a situation of intense activity. 
typically one incorporating an element of aggression or competition, a battle or a fight. It means to engage the resistance. Refers to the Lord strengthening them with combative, confrontive force to achieve all he gives faith for. I can do all things. I can engage the resistance. I can get into the fray of life. I can fight this battle through Christ. Through Christ who is the one who gives me strength, who makes me powerful, who enables me, who enables me to overcome, who enables me to in this moment while I'm in prison, while I feel like I'm metaphorically in prison because may you, you may feel that in a relationship that you're in or a situation that you're in, you metaphorically feel like you're in prison while you're there. I am going to find the best out of it. I'm going to find peace because I can do all things. I can do this prison moment through Christ who gives me strength. I can do this, you know, suffering moment. I can do this situational scenario moment that's happened in my workplace because I can do all things through Christ who's given me strength. Like I said earlier, what if how you respond to injustice against you impacts your ability to lead people into, let me, re, let me phrase it like this, an encounter with Jesus. You see this in Acts chapter 16. I'm not going to go into this, but read the story of Paul and Silas in prison. They were in prison and they shouldn't really have been there. Um, but their, of course, their religion, their belief was being attacked. And so they were put in prison and they were actually in chains. And they, it says that in prison, in the night, at midnight, they were singing, uh, they were praying and they were singing hymns to God. They were just rejoicing. They were praying, they were worshiping God. And all of a sudden the earth, like the, the prison shell, uh, cell shook and all the chains broke off and they ended up leading a bunch of people to Jesus as a result. But the cool thing is when the chains broke off, they didn't even leave. They didn't even escape. They just modeled the kingdom. They modeled like, you guys, you can do whatever you want to me. Like, I am God's and that's it. What a revelation in the end. Like, if we can get to that place, that no matter what people do to us, no matter what happens in our life, we realize that with a proper perspective, with a proper perspective, that God is still the one in charge and God still calls the shots. God still calls the shot. So number one, we have Paul encouraged the church. We're talking about how different people modeled peace in the prison. Number one, Paul encouraged the church. Number two, Joseph. Let's talk about Joseph, the Old Testament Joseph, not the New Testament Joseph. Joseph occupied the opportunity. Joseph occupied the opportunity. Now, I kind of already mentioned a little bit of Joseph's story. You know, as a young teenager, he has this dream. He's going to be this big shot, basically. He tells his brothers. His brothers hated him for it. They were jealous. He was kind of the favored son, so the brothers thought. He had this special, you know, coat that represented the favor of God on his life. One day, they decided to, you know, basically, you know, take him out and uh, get rid of the problem, get rid of what they thought was the weed in their family, and they, they put him in a pit. And they ripped his coat up and they made it look like basically that he was dead. And Joe and and the and his father Isaac thought he was dead. Thought he was dead. And and it was a big deal. And for years and years, imagine living thinking that your son is dead. And Joseph ended up getting sold into slavery and then worked for Potiphar's house and did a great job. He was promoted in Potiphar's house, managed all the household, like grew to great prominence, and then he was falsely accused. 
falsely accused of rape when he didn't uh, didn't lean in when Potiphar's wife was leaning into him. He said no, and she decided to rip a piece of his cloak off as evidence to show the king or show the show Potiphar her uh, uh, her, her her husband that that you know Joseph was was there and raped him because he was alone with her. And as long story short, he was thrown into prison as a result. And now we're in prison. This is where we land in the story. Now he's in prison. It says in verse. A chapter 39, remember, it was a false accusation, okay? It was a false mm-hmm. accusation. And Genesis 39, verse 19, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph, threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained, verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. Something about Joseph that's very important is that Joseph's name means God will add. God will add. And this is the, really the storyline of Joseph's life. Wherever he was, wherever he was, he added to the situation. Whether he was in Potiphar's house, whether he was second in command, uh, you know, calling the shots over, over a whole nation, whether he, you know, was in the pit, whether he was on the journey, whether he was sold into slavery, wherever he was, he always added to his situation, which got him out of that situation and allowed him to prosper while he was in that situation. The Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that had happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. I have a question for you. Can you manage when you feel trapped? Can you steward a season when it's not a good season? Can you prosper when you have been imprisoned in someone else's attack on you? Can you win when life feels like loss or losing all around you. This was the challenge of Joseph. Because Joseph walked with God. Joseph had, and we see this a lot through his storyline, about how wherever he was, there was great favor. There was an ability for Joseph, in whatever season or situation he was in, to usher in and become aware of God with him in that moment. Even if it wasn't the best moment. Now he's in the prison for several years. And not only is he just in prison, he pivots in prison prison, and with the help of God, occupies the opportunity and manages the prison. I'm sure Joseph thought to himself, I could be here for the rest of my life. I don't know if he had understanding of what it was going to look like on the other side. I don't know if he forgot his dream that he'd had when he was a teenager. But I'm sure there was something in him, in that prison that said, wherever I am, wherever I am, no matter what I'm doing, no matter what situation I come up against, I am going to prosper because God is with me. And there's a partnership that has to happen. I can say God's favored me. I can say God has blessed me. But if I don't partner with that blessing and partner with that favor and steward the season, then I will miss the potential of that season. Joseph did it. He occupied the opportunity. He manifested peace in the prison by stewarding a moment that may have felt like suffering, but somehow was turned around into prosperity. Now, we know how the story ends, but without going into all the detail, we know Joseph interprets a dream, gets out of prison, gets promoted to the second in command, and ends up doing his thing. 
that he was called to do that he had a dream about when he was a teenager. So now we move into Daniel number three, Daniel. Daniel remained faithful. Daniel remained faithful. How did Daniel remain faithful? Daniel 6, verse 4, let me read it to you. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find any charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. So they concluded in verse 5, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of religion. Once again, for persecution's sake, okay, for righteousness' sake. Here Daniel is, um, the king, King Darius, actually wants to put him over the whole realm and is considering it. And he gets elevated, he gets elevated, he gets elevated. He's Now he's over all the, the administrators and high-ranking officers and they're getting jealous, which is what we talked about, I just read in verse 4. They're getting jealous. They want to find a way to take him out. They don't like the prospering. They don't like... The, the, the blessing that's on Daniel's life. They don't like it, so they want to figure out a way, how can we take Daniel out? We won't, don't want him to be on top. We want to be on top. And so what they do is they convince the king that for the next 30 days, that there needs to be a law written and signed that cannot be revoked, that, that basically nobody in all the kingdom can pray to any god to any god or any human except for the king himself. No worship can go on, no prayer can go on for the next 30 days because they know Daniel's a praying man. They know Daniel's a faithful man when it comes to his spiritual life. And so it says here in verse uh, in verse 10 of chapter 6 of Daniel, but when Daniel learned the law had been signed, this law that for the next 30 days you can't pray to any god or any human except for the king, he went home. What did he do? He went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem and he prayed three times a day, just as he always had done, giving thanks to his God. It didn't stop him. He remained faithful. The law came into place. He could have been in fear. He could have been in intimidation. And he was like a top dog. He was, he had a lot to lose, but yet he knew one thing that he would never be willing to lose and that would be his relationship with God. He remained faithful. These people knew, these people that wanted to take Daniel out, they knew what Daniel would do. And so they actually went up and they, you can read it in some of the verses after uh, verse 10. They actually found him, found Daniel, caught Daniel praying. Therefore, they went to the king and said, Daniel's praying and by law, you have to throw him into the lion's den. That was what the law was. If he prays to, to his God, he's going to be thrown into the lion's den. And so they got what they wanted. And so the king actually didn't want to do it. The king was kind of upset He's trying to figure out a way how he can get out of it. But because the law was signed, he had to fulfill his duty. And so they put Daniel in the lion's den. And the whole time, Daniel just was unwavering. He remained faithful. He was who he was. And that's why he got the outcome that he got. Because he remained steadfast and faithful. It's an encouragement to us in this season. When you feel like you're suffering, when you feel like you're in a, a prison cell, so to speak, when you feel like you're trapped and you don't know how to manage life, to remain faithful, to be consistent. Don't just stop praying because things are hard and aren't going your way. Continue faithfulness. Faithfulness always wins. It's like 
Number one a key to success in any business, consistency. Stay consistent, stay faithful, stay loyal to the cause. Don't give up because things get hard. So many, so many businesses, so many relationships that I know that have went through hell and back have the strongest relationships right now and strongest and most successful business cultures right now remain faithful like Daniel. So now we get to verse 19 of chapter six where Daniel has been in the lion's den all night. And it says here very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out of out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out to the, in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you served so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Listen to this. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. He trusted God all the way to the end. He was in prison. Paul, the same thing. Joseph, the same thing. No matter where I am, my trust and my freedom and my peace is not determined by my external situation, but my peace and my trust in you and my faith in you and my perseverance is determined by who you are with me, in me. I can trust that no matter where I am, whether I'm on the mountain or I'm in the prison, whether I'm in the pit or I'm in the palace, wherever I am, God, you are with me. You favored me. You have blessed me. And because Daniel trusted him, trusted in his God, he was delivered from the lion's den. And as a result, was promoted even higher. And guess what happened to all those people that were uh, accusing Daniel, trying to get him in the lion's den? They all went into the lion's den. Actually, the king said, okay, fine. All the guys that got him in there, you know, I don't want to do it in the first place. You guys are all going in the lion's den. Their families and everything went into the lion's den. All that to say is that when you trust God through the hard seasons of suffering in your life, the very people or the very things or situations that are coming against you that puts you there, guess what? God will take care of. God will take care of. God's prospering of you has nothing to do with the people around you and everything to do with his favor on your life. And I want to encourage you in this season to trust him when it makes no sense. Don't just try to escape every hard season. Embrace the hard season and say, God, how can I manage this season? How can I steward this season? Yes, I have said, and I'll say it again, there are some seasons, there are some suffering moments where God actually has called you to pray to get out of because you can't stay there for very long. Pray, believe. But then there are some seasons because of standing, because of the gospel, because of your faith in Jesus that are, they're just gonna happen. They're just gonna, it's always gonna be there. So the question is, how are you going to manage? How are you going to occupy? How are you going to trust? And how are you going to be the greatest encourager to others, even while you're in it? And even while you think you're the one that needs encouragement, how are you going to encourage others while you need encouragement? This is a powerful, powerful tool, I believe, for manifesting peace in the prisons of life. But we have to have a proper perspective. Let me pray. God, I pray that in this season, you would give us a proper perspective. Give us a proper perspective of what we're currently living right now. 
maybe these metaphoric prisons that we feel like we're in right now, whether it's relationally, whether it's career, whether it's just other situations of life, maybe we've been hurt by people or betrayed or falsely accused, or maybe we've even been to prison and felt that feeling of isolation. God, I just pray that we would have a perspective in this season that would guide how we pray and that we would pull out of these moments all that we can. Seeing what the guys did in the Bible in these moments, God hopefully can encourage everyone listening right now. I know it encourages me. And so I just pray for strength. I pray for whatever season or situation that those listening or watching find themselves in would be able to steward and get out of those situations and seasons your best in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, I pray that you give us perspective, wisdom, wisdom to see. Wisdom helps us see. Wisdom helps us see clearly. Remove the fog. Remove the confusion. Remove the striving. I feel like some people out there, they've been striving, trying to prematurely get out of something. And maybe you've tried to, and as someone watching right now, you've You've, you've been trying to get a job, a specific type of job for a long time. You've been applying, 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 applying. You feel like you're about to get it and you don't get it. You feel like you're about to get it and you don't get it. And you're discouraged. You're frustrated. You're at, while you're applying for these other jobs, you're at this job you don't want to be at. You're just there to provide and that's great. And I encourage you to stay there to provide for your family or whoever it is that you're, that, that you're providing for, whether if, even if it's just yourself but you feel like you're almost in a metaphoric prison. It's like, I can't get out of this job. I can't get the job that I want. I, it seems like I'm about to get it and I don't get it. I wonder if you're called to pivot differently in this season. I wonder if that's a sign and a season that you're not called to escape from until you get the thing that you're called to get in Jesus' name. And so that's my prayer for you is that you'd get it, that you would get that thing that you're called to get, that key to unlock that prison cell door to move through and get out of that season and into the next. But you don't get to move through until you get the key. And my prayer is that the key, the key often, the key often is the internal character transformation that God needs to give you so you can be ready for the next season. Sometimes, yes, there is like a practical side of it, like it's an innovation, you gotta, you know, maybe you're gonna start your own business or whatever. There is that element too, but often it's the character transformation on the inside of you that is developed in those times of what feels like suffering. And so my encouragement to you is to keep going, to keep standing, and to keep remaining faithful while you're in that space and watch what God does in and through your life. God bless you, Kingdom Culture. Can't wait to see you in person, if you haven't made it out yet, to our new venue next week, or again, online. Join us online. We'll see you soon.